This is the podcast about transatlantic business by MCHEM Germany. The Clue. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of The Clue. My name is Katharina Luise Kittler, and I'm the Head of Communications and Government Relations at MCHEM Germany. I'm very happy to welcome Simone Mene to our podcast today. Hello. Hello. So before we are diving right into the topics of today's episode, I'd like to introduce Ms. Mene first. When you have a look at her website, you'll quickly learn that she's very passionate about learning new things. She's driven by new technologies and doing things in a way that hasn't been tried before. And Simone Mene held several positions in finance at Lufthansa worldwide and was, for example, responsible for founding Lufthansa's first shared service center. And she also founded Lufthansa's digital lab in Berlin. In 2015, Simone Mene decided to focus on another business sector and started working in the pharma industry. As a board member of managing directors and head of finances at Böhringer Ingelheim, she paved the way for launching the company's digital lab and for opening the shared service center in Manila. Today, Simone Mene serves on the supervisory boards of both BMBW and Deutsche Post AG and as a non-executive board member at Johnson Controls Internationals. And she also owns a gallery in Kiel, which is called Art Meets Business. And of course, we at MCM Germany are very honored that Simone Mene has recently been elected as a new member of MCM Germany's executive committee. So thank you again, Simone Mene, for being on the clue today. It's an honor and I'm, I'm very happy uh, to, to be with MCM and to, to be at the clue today. Thank you. So we have many interesting topics on our agenda today. And I'd like to start with a very recent discussion that we are all part of. Of course, the outbreak of the corona pandemic is impacting the transatlantic business community immensely. Not only do companies have to deal with declines in revenue, they were also forced to change many routines. That is, of course, also affecting our work culture, how we communicate with each other and how we structure our daily work routines. I know we are still in the middle of the pandemic, but after the first few months, what do you think has changed most in our work culture? I think the most important thing is really social distancing because in production as well as in offices, we had to change the workplaces and uh, the very close working together is not possible anymore. And uh, that, of course, changed some processes, but also the way how we cooperate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm at home now and you're at home, I guess, or at your Absolutely, at your home yeah. Yeah, so... I think that will also go on during the next weeks. And yes, we have to find new ways for our work routines. And since you're so passionate about new technologies and digital transformation, I also like to discuss with you how the corona pandemic has changed this debate both in Germany and in the US. I mean, generally, we always think that the US is clearly ahead of Germany when it comes to digitalization. But do you think that Germany now is on a faster track? I mean, you already mentioned that we have new tools, new technical tools that we work with currently. And we also have the Corona app now. So do you think Germany has improved in this context? I know companies in the US who are also not working with new technologies and others, especially, of course, the big tech companies we all know, like Amazon, Google or Microsoft are obviously far ahead 
On the other hand, uh, we have a company like SAP, uh, who is also uh, really advanced. So uh, I think when we try to generalize, Germany has been very good in new technologies when we talk about efficiency and uh, optimize processes. It's an engineering culture. There we, in Germany, have a lot of patents and a lot of improvement. What we were not good in is disruption. So just doing totally different things. I think uh, Corona obviously forced everybody globally to disrupt and, and make active disruption in the ways we work, partly as, as we speak uh, about the digitalization of meetings, but also in other areas. This helps a lot because people lost fear from new technologies, which may have been there, so that people were not sure if they can handle new technologies. And now as they are forced to, they found out uh, it's, it's not rocket science, uh, we can do that. Yeah, and there are some advantages like, you know, we have to deal with new technologies. People were forced to use these new technologies. So this is a good thing. But sometimes it's still a little struggle, um, especially when developing something new or being creative together. Distance can also be an obstacle. What would be your recommendation for companies to still be creative in, and close in times of distance when we are all at home and yeah. uh, have to use Zoom and WebEx and all the other tools? There is, of course, the saying, never waste a good crisis, but it is a crisis and, uh, and we have many obstacles. I think uh, very important for companies now is uh, to take care of their employees. I have heard of companies who, who also have an after work come together with social distance, but uh, just to chat with each other, not work related. And uh, others, and, and I think that is very important, also take regular uh, the pulse of their employees. How are you feeling? Is there too much stress? Maybe because you are in an apartment together with the kids, you have to do homeschooling while you have also to do home office. So I think it's very important to show clearly that you understand that there is a special stressful situation for a lot of people and to really talk with them uh, via phone, via Zoom and ask them these questions and of course also very important that they have the right uh, tools when you want the people to work from home it is very important that you have uh, very good software um, to work with and hardware partly of course we we know that uh, some families may not have three computers so that the kids can do homeschooling at the same time as the, the parents can work so that is very important so the social part and taking care give people the power and delegate the job to them so that they may even change that i heard from a lot of teams who, who were creative finding ideas how they work just recently somebody from from a treasury department told me that the team on their own did work on the shift plan to make sure that if somebody has to go to quarantine they can still do the the tax and the treasury document which is necessary. So I think there is a lot of creativity as long as you give that power to your people. So I think that that would be the two things I, I would recommend. 
do you think that companies will have a real change that they don't go back to strict working hours and that you have to be present at the office? Again, it, it depends, I assume, from the culture and the type of uh, business we are talking about. Companies which uh, huge production areas like BMW, for example, they really try to bring people back also in the administration to the offices. People and big companies don't like change. Uh, this is why it is so difficult uh, to really change when you want to. And uh, there is a tendency, I assume, to come back to normal and not to a new normal. Everybody is talking about the new normal now, but uh, there, there is the dream, oh, why cannot everything be as it has been before? But I'm pretty sure um, that in all companies, something will stay. Something of this new normal will stay. And hopefully the lessons learned will be to delegate and uh, people be creative and keep their creative ideas. And when we talk about a new work culture, there's, of course, also the political aspect. We have to think about our legal framework is not yet designed for this new work culture, which means working flexible and independently from everywhere and not having these strict working hours. What would be your top political priority to change that? Yeah, that's a quite complex issue, of course, because um, partly home office is a very good thing. It allows people to be more flexible and uh, to combine work hopefully better with their private life. On the other hand, it also has the danger that uh, that people are working even more because they have the feeling uh, they still have work on their desk and uh, there is still time in the evenings. This is, of course, a concern the unions have that uh, people and companies tend to work too much. So I think we need ways to control. My point is always don't necessarily pay people by hours, but pay people by tasks. But of course, it should be sure that uh, the tasks are, are feasible in the normal working hours. So it's a quite complex thing. And uh, labor laws can very seldom fix that. And, uh, and at the same time, you have to keep strict data protection and privacy so that uh, you are not absolutely transparent to the, to the employer. I don't like that. When talking about politics, especially for Amsterdam, Germany, the transatlantic relationship is the most important one. When we think of international trade and the global business community, we are living in very turbulent times at the moment. How have you perceived the transatlantic relationship during the last months and why are they so important, especially when fighting this pandemic right now? I think uh, the, the transatlantic relationship has never been so important and it's it's very important that, that we keep that common feeling that we share the same values even when in some areas uh, we have the feeling that that is not true anymore. It is still true for the majority and uh, there are uh, of course in Germany as well as in the US some tendencies where you are a little bit afraid that there is protectionism and uh, I think even more because of that we have to keep up our our common values uh, our common history 
and the importance of uh, doing trade together. A pandemic is obviously uh, something no country can fight on its own, the same as, as the climate crisis. The U.S. is uh, still such an important trading partner, scientific partner, that uh, we all need to keep that relationship very strong. When we think of common values, and we also have to think about the European Union and the relationship between the US and the EU, um, in July, the German EU Council presidency started. In your view, what should be their priority also to foster transatlantic trade relations? The most important part for the presidency is uh, to keep Europe together and strong. We see that uh, China and the US are very strong trading continents. Europe has to stick together to be an accepted and strong discussion and trading partner. That would help also the transatlantic relationship. It is a lot better when a strong Europe speaks with one voice. I hope we, we just now have the, the negotiations for the budget and Corona help uh, packages. And uh, I, I strongly hope, as we speak, it's not yet through, um, that they find a common solution to show solidarity between the European countries. And Europe together is, is uh, the strong partner as well in discussion as in trade for the US. Yes, that is very, very important. And in comparison to Germany and maybe also to other uh, European countries, the US in many states struggles to find the right way to deal with the coronavirus. The Black Lives Matter movement is also the center of attention. And we're in the middle of an election year. So there's really a lot going on on the other side of the Atlantic from a business perspective and under all these circumstances how can the transatlantic business community remain successful what i see in the companies i'm in the board or in the also in companies i talk with us is a huge and very very important market for for german companies a lot of companies are anyhow global so when i speak with uh, bmw or jci It actually is, is, is not a difference. Uh, both companies are discussing how to really address Black Lives Matters with their employees and make sure that there, there is no discrimination from a racial point of view or also from gender point of view. So that, that is valid for a German company as well as for a US company. Companies who are um, small and medium uh, size, uh, of course, it's very important. And I think that's uh, also a very important role of MCHEM to make sure that the doors are open and that uh, we make clear that uh, protectionism doesn't help and a trade war definitely doesn't help neither Europe nor the US. Talking and using diplomacy on all levels is the task we have to do so that uh, the business is not uh, suffering. We also want to talk a little more about this aspect, about diversity and inclusion in the workforce. And we already tackled the topic a little bit with the Black Lives Matter movement. And you already mentioned how important communication between the employer and the employees and between or within the business community is. How have you perceived the Black Lives Matter movement during the last weeks from a business point of view and also maybe through the lens of all your experience in the business world? 
especially German companies have to make sure that, that they really see the topic. Uh, of course, when you have a German uh, headquarter and uh, an all-white board, you may not see how important it is that uh, you do not do racial discrimination. Obviously, a com company who did not really see that uh, was Adidas, uh, where the employees in the US uh, did protest uh, against the attitude uh, of the board and, and uh, the board member for HR had to leave the company because of that wrong estimation or, or judgment uh, of the importance of that topic. So one point is that we as German companies make very sure that uh, our US branches uh, are on the right track and find out uh, if we need further programs or how to address that topic. I think we also have to be aware that uh, it is not only black life uh, which matters, as important that is, but uh, racial discrimination also can happen, for example, here to migrants and uh, we have to make sure that in all aspects make sure that domination is not taking place. We talked a lot about diversity but very much about gender and still there we did not make so much progress uh, but we also have to talk about uh, diversity regarding people from all areas, young, old, uh, international, um, which, uh, which makes the real diversity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, diversity and inclusion are very broad terms and they include, as you just said, more women in leadership positions, for example, having people with disabilities among the workforce, supporting people of color and people with different religious backgrounds and so on. Where could companies start when they want to improve their diversity and inclusion rate? If you have a, a very homogeneous uh, group in the board, they see all aspects of their business only from that homogeneous point of view and it's very difficult for them to take a different perspective as soon as you have a person of color there as you have females there as as you have an able person there you you see different point of views and this person they can then say did you think about the kids in the family Or did you think about that it is difficult to enter our building with a wheelchair? Or did you think about uh, that um, we have no Turkish person in the first two levels of management? So they, they see that better. And, and this is why it is so important. Uh, and of course, you can always make programs where you're just uh, setting targets and say a certain percentage of our management or a certain percentage um, in certain areas have to be diverse. Give your, your employees the target to work into that direction. Sometimes it can be that you have CVs without name or pictures, these kind of things. There are obviously techniques who, who foster diversity. And a couple of weeks ago, um, the debate about the quota came up again. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, what should, what should politics do to support more diversity and inclusion? I mean, there is discussion about, do we want to have a very diverse board, for example, and have people with different backgrounds in these positions? But we also have to think about performance and experience. So these two have to come together, right? Absolutely, but I think that is an excuse. If uh, people are saying, well, 
uh, we want to have the best and, and therefore a quota for female, for example, doesn't make sense, then they are implicitly saying that at the moment only 7% of females in Germany are able to make a board member. And I strongly don't believe that. I think uh, there are enough women uh, who are able and uh, you just have to make the effort uh, to look for them. And there are several companies uh, who, who can work very, very good with that and, uh, and have this strict target and um, intrinsically know that it's good for them to, to be diverse. If you look and have this target and really feel strong for that target, there, there, there will be women or uh, people of color or migrants who are able to do the job. You just have to force yourself to look for them. I also think as a transatlantic business organization, it is also MCM Germany's responsibility to put diversity and inclusion on our agenda and to help our members to focus on these topics. What can we do as MCM Germany to foster diversity and inclusion in the transatlantic business community when we think about our members on, on both sides of the Atlantic? What can they maybe learn from each other? we have to put it on the agenda and and okay where are we in with with the point of diversity for example I, i just looked for a plan for my gallery and i found out i only had one female artist uh, and and now i'm planning again for the next year and uh, uh, i forced myself and i was really struck by my own blindness that uh, i i always came up with with male uh, artists so we have to force ourselves in MCHAM to really look, do we have a diverse board? Um, do we have a diverse workforce? Do we have good stories to tell? So where are the companies being members in MCHAM who can tell a good story about diversity and, and be a role model uh, so that others can ask, how did you do that? And how did it help you? And uh, I think uh, we, we really should force ourselves to do this with strict programs, uh, because if not, you may miss your own blindness. We are already at the end of our episode, and I know it's always difficult to predict the future, but do you think that we will live in another work culture and business world in a year from now due to the corona pandemic, but also because of all the political debates and challenges this year? Oh, that is a really <laughs> difficult question. <laughs> I don't think it will be a totally different work culture and a totally different business world. Uh, of course, the culture and the business did grow for a long period and does not change because of, let's say, six months uh, of pandemic, uh, even if that is a long time. And even if it's not over in, after this six months, it will be there constantly. If we talk about tourism, if we talk about opening up cities, theaters, production sites, the change most probably will be masks and some social distancing and not so much the real cultural change. But I think in a longer term, it may be different. So when we talk about three to five years, it may have an impact because constantly have to carry that idea with us. We make, may do the changes bit by bit. These were perfect last words. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Thank you very, very much, Simone Menne, for sharing your experiences and insights with us today. I learned a lot and it was enlightening talking to you. I'm looking forward to keeping in touch with you as a new EXCO member at MCHEM Germany. 
And if you want to learn more about MCM Germany, our members, activities, and political positions, please visit our website, mchem.de, and don't forget to follow us on social media. Thank you, Simone Menne, and thanks a lot for tuning in today and talk to you soon. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for the real interesting interview and the good questions. Thank you so much. Thank you.